Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am Erica, your host, and joining me in our virtual studio is Elliot, Doug, and behind the scenes is Damien. Hello. So welcome all. We are celebrating our year of two weeks to flatten the curve. Everybody feel safer. <laughs> right. <laughs> two weeks. It's been a year now. <laughs> so today on our show, we are going to talk about resistance against medical tyranny. So now we've had over 365 days of complete COVID-1984 Corona craziness. And we are here to see what's happening in the world. How are people reacting? Are, is everyone going down without a fight or are there people standing up? And uh, there's so many lawsuits that are happening all over the world that we could not cover them all in this show, but we're going to choose a few that seem pretty relevant and interesting and hopefully we'll be able to keep up with uh, how these go. Um, one of the first ones I'd like to mention is here in the old US of A, and this is out of New Mexico. And the title of the article, it was carried by Activist Post, and it was on March 8th. And the title of the article is, It's Here, First Court Case Against Mandatory Vaccinations. And it is an interview with an attorney uh, named Anna Garner. And she is representing a client named Isaac Lagaretta. He is an officer at the Dona Anna County Detention Center and a military veteran. And he is suing the county over its new policy for first responders uh, to receive the COVID-19 vaccine or to face termination. And uh, Garner explains the significance of this case and what is at stake as it is the first of its kind and may set new legal standards and precedents regarding mandatory vaccination. Garner says she is prepared to take this case to the Supreme Court if necessary. And so for those that might wanna watch this interview, you can find it. Um, it's with a man named Spiro and it's very informative um, and kind of brings home this whole argument of can states, particularly here in the US of A, mandate vaccines uh, for what they call first responders or emergency workers. And um, I do think it's gonna set an interesting precedence to see how this goes. Because of the emergency youth authorization here in the United States, this is not something legally that employers can um, enforce. Once that emergency youth authorization changes, uh, who knows, you know, we're living in unprecedented times, but um, there is a really excellent article for those in the US who may be facing this kind of challenge by the Children's Health Defense called Under Federal Law, Can Your Employer Make You Get the COVID Vaccine? And it's actually really helpful because I know I don't have any other US hosts on with me today, but even in my place of employment, there is pressure to become you know, vaccinated. But uh, the, the thought that you may lose your job if you don't take an environment, or uh, experimental vaccine is pretty concerning. 
Um, so this Defender article will really help those because this is not something that your employer can enforce on you at this time. One thing I'm noticing personally is that there's a lot of use of peer pressure and even shaming to get people to comply. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we will see how this unfolds. Um, it's pretty concerning for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the case that Anna Garner um, is working on right now um, really emphasizes the fact that these are um, experimental medical products. Um, none of these injectables have received FDA approval yet they're only being used under that Emergency Use Authorization Act. Um, and, you know, like you were saying, Erica, once it actually does receive FDA approval, it might be a whole new game, right, where they're going to have to fight on different kind of grounds. But as it stands right now, the Emergency Use Authorization, um, well, from that Defender article, it actually says Emergency Use Authorization means that any product with this designation must be voluntary. That's under yeah. the federal, federal law. So like the law is very clear about it. It, it uh, states may not mandate the vaccines and private entities do so at the peril of violating federal law. So, yeah, I mean, essentially, if anybody, you, you know, they, they can try and coerce you and, and even threaten you, although it is um, illegal for them to do so. So. And actually, just to say that this was even in, in that Defender article, it actually says that this was uh confirmed at the August 2020 uh, Centers of Disease Control and Prevention um, meeting advisory committee on immunization practices, uh, where the executive secretary, Dr. Amanda Cohn stated, I just want to add that just wanted to remind everybody that under an emergency use authorization an EUA, vaccines are not allowed to be mandatory. So early in this vaccinated phase, individuals will have to be have to be consented and they won't be able to be mandated so it's even in those meeting minutes um to that that these things cannot be mandatory so it seems like a pretty clear case that uh the uh, corrections officer in new mexico is fighting there um and you know and he currently still has his job so they right. have not fired him yet and i think they probably know with all this public scrutiny i mean even if it is on the interwebs that if they were to fire him that it could lead to you know some pretty negative results for them right i would like to share with you guys just for the us um what the according to the fda what is an emergency youth authorization, emergency use authorization. And this is just a quick little paragraph that they have, which we can discuss. It basically says the EUA is a mechanism to facilitate the availability and use of medical countermeasures, including vaccines during public health emergencies, such as the current COVID-19 pandemic. Under a EUA, FDA may allow the use of unapproved medical products or unapproved uses of approved medical products in an emergency to diagnose, treat, or prevent serious or life-threatening diseases or conditions when certain statutory criteria have been met, including that there are no adequate approved and available alternatives. Taking into consideration input from the FDA, manufacturers decide what, whether and when to submit a UAE request. 
Once submitted, FDA will evaluate the UAE request and determine whether the relevant statutory criteria are met, taking into account the totality of the scientific evidence about the vaccine that is available to the FDA. So I wanted to read that because one thing I found very interesting is that they said, including that there are no adequate approved and available alternatives, which we know there are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Particularly um, HCQ, ivermectin. Well, like we were talking about on last show, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow has a whole list of alternatives. Kombucha. <laughs> vitamin C, vitamin D. <laughs> right. <laughs> sunlight and fresh air right <laughs> swim in the ocean <laughs> yeah no but uh in in reality that is a, a big deal and that could be why we're seeing such a a push i mean we're going to do a show on it um at some point in the future about ivermectin but i think this is a, a pretty clear indication of why um you're seeing such resistance to ivermectin because if there is if ivermectin is approved then suddenly there is an alternative and then their whole EUA um, uh, rules are null and void, right? You can't have emergency use authorization for a vaccine if there are alternatives, and ivermectin is an alternative. So that's why it's getting shot down everywhere. Yeah, that's what we've seen from the start with any and all medication, which has been shown to be fairly effective against covid um, and we consider that COVID is generally not all that problematic for the large majority of people. But you get someone who's elderly and who is susceptible, then COVID can, like any other viral infection or bacterial infection, it can really kill off quite a few people who are, who are not in a very good state to begin with, right? But what they've shown using these drugs, and there's a variety of drugs, you know, hydroxychloroquine, now ivermectin, they've been getting the most coverage but there's lots of other kind of medications which have also been shown to be quite beneficial. So, um, so looking back, it's fairly obvious now why they have suppressed, why they have manipulated, why they have tried been trying to convince everyone these drugs do not work. I, th I think fundamentally it comes down, um, at least partly to this, to the fact that they will no longer be able to justify the vaccines as an experimental uh, procedure and then the floor will crumble beneath them um so they're really uh, kind of banking on 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 the idea that there's no drug uh, that can effectively treat covid at the moment yep and the madness just just seems to get um amplified continuously so uh, again, a year into this, uh, in the United States, we start to see uh, states pushing back, um, lifting mask mandates. Uh, Florida is kind of an epic example um, of the governor DeSantis basically saying, if you want to wear a mask, you can, um, you know, kids are in school, uh, you know, they need to continue living and um he received a lot of flack. He is, of course, a re Republican. So he received a lot of flack. Um, but right now, as it stands, uh, California is like the most locked down state or one of them. And they have the same numbers as Florida. So mm -hmm. what does that tell you? You know? Um, yeah. The interventions aren't really doing anything. No. Yeah. 
Um, well, maybe we should cross the ocean to Britain, UK. <laughs> so there was an article um, in the Daily Mail said Britons could launch class action lawsuit for billions in compensation for government falsely imprisoning nation during lockdown, law lecturer predicts. Now, mention, you know, mind you, this is just kind of the opinion of a law lecturer. So, you know, there's not necessarily anything uh, behind this, but what he's basically saying is that there is grounds for um, British citizens to collectively have a, um, a class action lawsuit against, uh, against the government for false imprisonment. Um, or sorry, yeah, falsely imprisoning the nation with a stay-at-home order. Um, his name is Dr. John Morgan, and he's the director of law at Corpus Christi College in Cambridge. Um, yeah, and you know, he's he, in in the article. He's basically saying that you know this might sound kind of crazy, um, but really, it's a response to absolute craziness. Um, it's unprecedented what people are going to going through at the moment with the the whole lockdown thing so you know it's all just kind of like a possibility um but nonetheless i would love to see that happen you know if uh people were actually the people who are enforcing this whole lockdown nonsense were actually held accountable in some way i mean it's not going to affect the, per the people personally it's basically just going to cost the government and the taxpayers essentially um, but nonetheless, it would be great to see. Yeah, and it's important to note here is that this article was written um, early November, or mm. published early November. This was before the the second lockdown right. occurred. Um, and so his justification, or he said from a legal standpoint, um, I don't know much about law, but what I do know is that there's not all that much that's set in stone, and there's precedents that can be made, Mm -hmm. uh, based on different cases. So they use lots of different case studies. And he is citing a case which, um, where the UK government or the authorities essentially placed um, a, a foreigner, guy from... His name was Ibrahima Jola, a Liberian citizen. Uh, but basically, he was ordered to stay at home every night between 11, 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. And this was between uh, 2014 and 2017. Uh, eventually, he sued uh, the authorities. He um, it says the Supreme Court found that the Secretary of State had no legal power to impose the restrictions, and this individual was awarded four thousand for the two and a half years he was falsely imprisoned. Um, and so it goes on to say that if this particular case is applied to the UK population then this means that the UK government could be forced to pay £800 for six months to each British citizen, totaling £4,000. Now, that was just based on the first lockdown, but this right. is back in November, right? And now we've had multiple lockdowns since that point. Uh, we've been basically locked down ever since then. So um, it would be nice if we, we would see that. <laughs> Whether it will happen or not is, is uh, I think, is probably unlikely. However, yeah. uh, from a legal sp standpoint, I think it would be great if, if people were held accountable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another um, interesting development is um, out of Germany, 
and it's it's uh, <coughs> basically um, <clears throat> this organize, organization called the German Corona Investigative Committee, and they are um, taking testimony from larger amounts of international scientists and es- experts and um, hoping to, you know, like the UK, just address uh, essentially what they're calling crimes against humanity. Um, The conclusions of the committee are just a few are the Corona crisis must be renamed the Corona scandal, uh, biggest tort case ever, greatest crime against humanity ever committed. And then they're saying those responsible must be criminally prosecuted for crimes against humanity and sued for civil civil damages. Um, they talk about health, uh, the tests, the PCR tests, uh, illegality of the lockdown and um, injury and damage, bankruptcies. Um, the lawyer is uh, Fulamich and he's... Uh, been practicing law for 26 years in California. And so um, I, we can put a link up, but basically foreign affairs, intelligent council dot WordPress carried this all, along with um, global research. And so it's got a video in there and then it talks about all their different um, approaches to how to kind of move forward with this case. And um you know, this is not something that you're going to find on mainstream media at all. Right. Um, but it does seem to be getting some attention, um, you know, and we're seeing so many people just being censored that it kind of goes to show that that they are kind of concerned about these um, organizations coming together with criminal charges, you know. Yeah. The good thing about this one is the, Mercola covered this actually a while ago. I think he might have even interviewed uh, Fulmich. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. It's uh, German. But he's basically saying, you know, the, the, the lawyer is essentially saying that they are pursuing this in Germany, but they're doing it in such a way that um, this can be used in other countries as well. It's like they're almost making a template for how these lawsuits can proceed. And... Um, you know, it's kind of like open source law. Um, the the idea being that um, attorneys in other countries will kind of take up the mantle and start um, uh, doing that in in their own countries to uh, to to press these charges and uh, get these lockdowns um, out and over and done with. One thing that um, he mentioned that's mentioned in kind of the uh, summary you were just going through, uh, Erica, is a conspiracy. It says politicians and mainstream media deliberately drove populations to panic. Children were calculatedly made to feel responsible for the painful tortured death of their parents and grandparents if they do not follow corona rules. The hopeless PCR tests were used to create fear and not to diagnose. Uh, there can be no talk of a second wave. So I just thought that that was very interesting. Like they're really going for the jugular on this. Like uh, they're covering everything. You know, it's like the the unnecessary deaths that happened as a result of lockdowns. They're going after um, the PCR tests and how they're not meant to diagnose uh, whether or not somebody is sick. Um, All the different ways that these things are illegal. Um, 
Yeah, um, among other things. So it it really is, um, you know, it sounds, you know, to a layman like me, it sounds pretty airtight. But of course, we'll we'll see if anything actually uh, if anything actually comes of it. Well, what I think is interesting too is they're really trying to prevent something like this happening again, right? So now that we're all kind of used to this whole lockdown, you're locked down, you know, can't go anywhere at night, you know, have to wear my, whatever it is. Like, uh, you know, I think this document in particular is trying to set precedent. So this kind of thing does not happen again, you know, where it's just willy nilly and um, people act out of fear more than anything. You know, I mean, that's what we're really seeing is the fear. Like you said, Doug, you know, children, we know now that children are very, like, they're not the super spreaders that we were told that they would be, even though now they're going to start testing the vaccine on children, which is completely insane. But, um, you know, to set the precedence that we don't go through this craziness again, you know, that there has to be some sort of accountability. I mean, here in the United States, like Fauci is the guy that everyone looks to. And, you know, we're not told that he's the highest paying uh, man in government, more than the president of the United States. You know what I mean? I mean, to me, that's blaring conflict of interest. So I'm hoping that these set of precedents, I'm always optimistic, but I've been uh, not so optimistic recently. Yeah. Well, incidentally, um, Elliot actually found uh, there's a database yeah. that has you want to talk about that, Elliot? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to talk about Texas first. but uh, Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, let, let me talk about Texas because they are kind of, I mean, it's only very recently, like the past couple of weeks, that they have basically dropped all of their restrictions. They have dropped their mask mandate. They've opened up a bunch of all, all, the, all the kind of phys- physical restrictions. So the businesses are opening up. Um, there's no one is required to wear masks. Um, it basically, they, they are opening up the entirety of the state or at least most places are right. However, we have in the city of Austin and the local kind of district around that area. Um, it was the, the, uh, was it the mayor? I think it's the mayor of Austin came out and said, uh, we are not going to lift any of the mask, uh, res- any of the mask wearing kind of mandates, and we are not going to lift any of the restrictions. Everything is going to stay the same, right? And so we have the uh, attorney general. His name is Ken Paxton, and <laughs> and he is suing. He's suing Austin um, because it is not complying with the state rules. So the state rules. Uh, it was a couple of weeks back now, um, the the governor of Texas said there is no area in Texas that has, the uh, there's, there's no jurisdiction which can implement like a, a, a local rules for coronaviruses, uh, sorry, for, for the restrictions. Based, right, in simple terms, basically, uh, the authorities in Texas have opened up the entire state, right? And they've said that this applies across the state, right? Now, you have um, basically the the rule that was put into place was that if coronavirus hospitalizations, I think it's if it goes above 15%, 
then that is when people have to start wearing masks and that is when restrictions will come in place, right? But if any area of Texas does not meet the 15% of coronavirus hospitalizations, then the restrictions do not apply, right? So Austin, um, the I believe it was the mayor of Austin, came out and said, actually, no, we're going to keep these restrictions. We want you to wear masks. We're not going to open everything up. You know, you still have to follow the rules. And so, um, and so, yeah, the uh, the attorney general basically came out and said, right, look, you've got till 6 p.m. Uh, you must categorically follow Texas's laws. You must follow Texas's rules. If you do not, then I'm going to sue you because you are essentially breaking the law. Um, and so, this is based on a um, on a new what is it? It's called uh, GA34. It's like um, getting up here. It's like uh, legislation, I believe. Um, and, and essentially, that is where the new rules have come out. Uh, this was, I can't remember exactly which date this was on. I think it was on the 10th of March. Um, but that is is basically the, the documentation which says that, you know, they've put in these restrictions, these, um, these, these percentages. And if, if, if the state as a whole does not fulfill the criteria of uh, above 15%, kind of coronavirus hospitalizations then um then yeah the, there's there's not going to be any restrictions so uh so yeah the, there's there's some pretty high profile high profile politicians and lawyers who are standing up for people's freedom um and there are also politicians on the other side who want to maintain as many restrictions as possible now it's really interesting because you go on to sort you go on to uh you, you have a look at uh, these articles that pop up here, here, there, and everywhere. Um, but there is actually a lot of uh, lawsuits which have been filed both for and against restrictions, but related specifically to coronavirus restrictions over the past year. So there's a website called Ballotpedia, um, and the and the, um, the the page is called Lawsuits About State Actions and Policies in Response to the Coronavirus uh, pandemic 2020-2021 and that is basically a database you've got a total of what is it 997 total en entries so there's been 997 lawsuits relating to coronavirus restrictions now this is in all states across america now just to put this into context it's important to note that not all of these um that these lawsuits are um are against the restrictions are for the restrictions you have some people who are suing um they're trying to school the government they're trying to sue the government they're trying to sue businesses for not following the rules for being too lackadaisy in their opinion on the other hand you've got lawyers you've got groups of individuals who are suing um who 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 are basically suing because they are claiming that these restrictions are unlawful and now in some of these cases they are they are winning these lawsuits right and so if there is anything like if you live in the US if you want to know what's going on in your state you can go to this website ballotpedia.org and you can go into this database and type in, you can do a, a search, you can look at the uh, case name, the claim type, the state, and you can see exactly what is going on in your state. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting because not a, lot of it is, not a lot of this is getting all that much press attention. It seems as though the mainstream media don't, 
they're, they're not covering this as extensively as they should be. I think that's probably because um, the general... I would imagine that there are uh, certain people in positions of power who do not want um, the, this kind of information getting out. You know, right. They want to portray the image that the rules that they've got in place are basically fell safe uh, and that they cannot be protested and that they cannot be challenged. Whereas when it comes to um, looking at it from a legal basis, it turns out that there are many, many professionals in the uh, in the area of law who are successfully challenging this stuff. There are people who have learned the laws of the land, so to speak, and are highlighting many faults and... Um, yeah, and, and many problems with the kind of restrictions and, and rules and things that they're putting in place. So, yeah, if you want to learn about that, you can go to that website. It's really cool, uh, and it shows that there are quite a lot of people who are challenging this from a legal standpoint. Yeah, and it make, it makes sense, you know, that um, with all this downtime that we've had, that people are becoming incredulous about what they hear. And especially if they're watching the mainstream news. And so I think one thing that's very interesting is the amount of people that are deciding to go to alternative forms of information because they feel like they're being lied to, which they are in a lot of ways. You know, the problem is, is the uh, sticky wicket that is the interwebs. And when you uh, search for something, especially if you use Google, how now those kinds of search results are very skewed. Um, but I, I think I have faith that there's a lot of intelligent, smart people that are really over this manipulation that they've been experiencing for the last year and really want to try and inform themselves about it. And I do think, as I was saying earlier, this vaccination push is all about using peer pressure and shaming and uh, sound bites to get people to go along and not really ask the hard questions, you know, not ask about side effects or is this even legal to do or are we experimental guinea pigs, you know? Um, so I think probably the powers that be, like you were saying, Elliot, are too happy with the fact that people are becoming informed, but um and with all the censorship that's happening, you know, that people are realizing there must be some reason that people are getting taken down from social media platforms left and right. Maybe they do have something of importance to share with all of us. So, yeah. So did we have anything else? I know we're, we, we can't cover all of the uh, lawsuits that are happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be a long show. <laughs> but they're out there. There are people that are out there resisting. And I think resistance is important at this point in time. Very important, really. And uh, setting legal precedences. And I hope that we find out. You know, one thing about court cases in the U.S. is it can take months, if not years. Uh, once a precedent is set, sometimes it gets buried and it takes 
interested, uh, enthusiastic individuals to try and follow up on on what happens, because again, your your uh, the the mainstream media narrative is not going to be giving you updates on these kinds of things. They're going to continue to focus on, you know, how terrible anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers are, and um, not show you that, you know, if you want to wear a mask and you want to get the vaccine, then you have a choice to do that. But that should not be something that's enforced upon you by a state or even a local, you know, mayor or governor. Definitely. So what do you all think? Anything else? Or I think that's that's it for now. We'll have to come back. Maybe we'll have a resistance against medical tyranny 2.0, 3 yeah. 3.0, 4.0. <laughs> Sequel. <laughs> yeah, All I right. think it's definitely something we could revisit for sure. There's more coming out by the day, right? Yeah. Just one quick thing to add is that um, aside from lawsuits, aside from uh, professional challenging uh, on that kind of level in court, there are several videos of people online who are basically challenging the restrictions like head on themselves. So we'll give you an example. One is challenging the PCR test when having to fly to another country, uh, which supposedly requires a PCR test. So they, the authorities, uh, the, the example I'm thinking about is a guy in Canada who videoed himself essentially getting onto the plane through an airport. Uh, I don't think the guy was wearing a mask and no, he, he also refused to take the PCR test and one would ordinarily think or we're given the impression that if you refuse to wear a mask and you refuse um, yeah if you refuse to do those things then you wouldn't be able to fly on the plane and it turns out well actually that's not technically true at least in this guy's case yeah he, the, the case the, that, that particular case is that he was a Canadian citizen and he was citing off um, parts from the Canadian Charter, um, basically saying that they aren't allowed to force any kind of medical uh, testing or anything like that on their Canadian citizens. Or uh, the one thing in particular that he was refusing was the quarantine. They have a, a rule now in Canada where you have to spend two weeks in a hotel on your own dime um, when you come into the country. And what he was saying is that is unlawful under Canadian law. And that's what he was arguing. And basically he refused and the cops just let him go. They wrote him a ticket and then let him go. But apparently even the ticket, he was saying even the ticket won't hold up in court and that he'll actually. Yeah. So I don't know if it's, if it could apply to somebody who's just going on vacation or something like that. I don't, I don't know if, you know, you'd yeah, have right. to look into the particular uh, legal um rules in any particular country that you're going to and if you're not a citizen again it's like well you might not have as many rights as uh, as as a citizen would i think these are going to spread and videos like that will go viral well if we have nothing else then uh thank you all for joining us and thank you to my co-hosts and Damien for showing us all those informative documents. And um, we will be back next week with another interesting topic. So uh, have a great day. Bye everybody. Bye.